Father, I would ask that you would enlighten us as to the things that are going to shortly transpire. We have learned in your word about the rapture and some of the end times things that are going to take place. And I pray that we would not be frightened or scared or put off. And those that we talk to, I would ask the same thing, that they would gain understanding of what lies ahead. And though this world is broken, you have a fix. And we long for that fix, Lord. We long for our new bodies and where there is no death, pain, sorrow, or mourning. No more tears. But until then, Lord, I ask that you would guide and direct, that you would bear us up when we are feeling down, that you would encourage us in the low times in our lives, and that you would also help us to bring that good news to others. Please accomplish this through your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, last time we left off with six views of the rapture, and the first one I gave you was, there's a view that there is no rapture, then there's a pre-tribulational rapture, there's a mid-tribulational rapture, there's the pre-wrath rapture, there's the post-tribulational rapture, and there's the partial rapture theory, if you're good enough and sanctified enough you might just be able to make it up with the first group that goes up because there are several groups that could end up going during the time of the tribulation, and we want to make sure everybody goes. Now, there is this view of the no rapture, that the rapture is not coming and Christ isn't coming back right away, that he's going to come back soon, but it's not imminent. It's not right around the corner. I even saw a website this morning. I was just reviewing what I had here. And the Gospel Coalition said, no, Christ's return is not imminent. It's not right around the corner. All these things have to happen first. Like, people have to get evangelized, and the world needs to get better, and then Jesus is going to come back and receive his people unto himself and rule and reign at that particular point. Of course, I reject that. And they started making comparisons between the rapture and the second coming, saying that they are the same event. And I'm going to give you eight points why the rapture and the second coming are not the same event. They are separate events. Now, just by way, if somebody is here and you go, well, rapture, what is that rapture? And I gave several verses on that, at least four different sections out of Isaiah chapter 26, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and John chapter 14. Those are the chapters that deal with the doctrine of the rapture of the church. And that is where the dead in Christ first rise from the dead and they go to meet the Lord in the air. That's verses 16 and 17 of First Thessalonians chapter 4. And it says we will get our new bodies at that point or the dead in Christ will get their new bodies and then we who are remaining here that are still alive at the coming of the Lord we will be instantly transformed to meet the Lord in the air. We will not experience death if the Lord should rapture us at this time, anywhere in the next day or the next 10 years. Most of us, I think, and will still be existing at that point. And the Lord said he will take us to be with him in heaven. That's John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. So he wants to take us to heaven. And, of course, that's going to be at least seven years, if not more. And I think it's going to be a little bit more, the time that transpires in heaven. Now, this ushers in the tribulation period. But before I go into any more of that, 
I want to talk about the differences between the rapture and the second coming. The first point is, at the rapture, believers meet the Lord in the air. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. At the second coming, believers return with the Lord from heaven. And that's in Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. It says we wear white linen and we are part of the armies in that verse that come back with the Lord to rule and reign with him. Secondly, the rapture occurs before the wrath of God, otherwise known as the tribulation or the great tribulation period. That is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. We are not appointed unto wrath, and that is the time of God's wrath. And the second coming occurs at the end of or after the wrath of God, otherwise known as the great tribulation. And so the rapture occurs before that. The second coming is after the wrath. Thirdly, Jesus comes in the clouds in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4 after the tribulation. There's a, a time period in between these two events. Fourthly, Jesus gathers the believers at the rapture, same verses that I gave you in 1 Thessalonians, and for the second coming, angels gather the believers at the second coming. And also they gather the unbelievers, and it's like the weeds, they tie them into bundles and they're thrown into the furnace is what it says. Fifthly, the rapture is a time of reward. This is known as the Bema Seat or the Bema Seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, if you look it up, it says, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the word judgment seat that is listed there is in the Greek Bema or Bema Seat. And that same seat is where when the games, the Olympic games were held, those individuals would appear before the, the Bema Seat and they would get the reward at that time we still kind of celebrate that where they get their medals they get the gold the silver and the bronze medals and they stand there and they get their reward that's what we are going to do when we go to heaven we're going to get our reward at that time and there are several rewards that are listed in scripture several crowns that can be given to us and places or positions of authority that type of thing that is going to be our reward but our ultimate reward is god himself Jesus Christ, we will see him. But the second coming is a time of judgment. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, it says Jesus' wrath is coming down and it's against the nations. And he's going to rule them with an iron rod. And he uses iron to mean it's going to be brutal. If you take the example of Daniel's dream, you know, the head of gold all the way down to the feet of, and the toes mixed with iron and clay, that type of thing. Well, as you go down the Roman army, the thighs, it, it was iron and they were brutal as, as a people, a conquering nation. They would just go out and ransack everything. And so, when Jesus comes and he's going to rule with a rod of iron, before it, it was seen that he was gentle Jesus, meek and mild, well, at this particular point, he's not going to be so, quote-unquote, meek and mild in his demeanor. He's going to judge the nations. The seventh point here is the rapture is hidden from view by those who were on the earth. First Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, verse 17 talks about that. And the second coming will be seen by the entire 
earth. At the second coming, Jesus is going to, as it were, come out of heaven and encircle the earth, and he's going to land on the Mount of Olives. And then the believers, or the church, is taken in the rapture, and the church returns at the second coming. Jude chapter 14 talks about the saints coming back. And the timing of the rapture is unknown. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, that's why it says... We wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, we're waiting for it. Where is it? We're anticipating it. It's right there. Well, it's not today. Will it be tomorrow? And the second coming, it's known when the second coming is going to take place. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, it talks about 1,290 days, and it goes and gives 40 more days in there, and it says, blessed is a man who makes it to the end of that. That's when everything will be consummated. That's when it's done. That's when Jesus comes back. So we do know the time, and it's counted from the abomination which makes desolate, or the abomination of desolation. You can count from that point, and you know Jesus is going to come back. If somebody is here on the earth at that time, those scriptures were given for them so that they might endure and anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. They can just calculate off the days. So what do we have so far? What has been established so far? The temple, according to Jesus' word, was destroyed in 70 AD. We will be a part of the rapture of all believers, which takes place before the seven years of tribulation come upon the earth. And also, the rapture has been taught throughout the centuries. I went over this last time. I gave you all these citations from the first century up until now, that well, actually the 20th century, the late 19th and the 20th century, how it's been taught several times. And I only gave you a few references. And some people would say it's a Johnny-come-lately doctrine. And it is not a Johnny-come-lately doctrine. And I explained to you why it was suppressed or sequestered at that time. Also, the rapture is not the second coming. We just learned that this morning. And there are different views on the rapture, which I talked a little bit about today and also in the previous week. Now, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24, we know as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they have three questions. And they wanted to know when the temple will be destroyed. Well, he didn't give them the exact date, but he told them it will happen. And what sign would precede the second coming? Well, uh, some people say, well, it's not the rapture. There is no rapture. Well, that sign would certainly precede the second coming, but it's not listed here. And he, he gives a list of things that will precede the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is not a 24-hour day. It's a period of time that the tribulation is going to be taking place. And it starts with the rapture and it ends with the tribulation and Jesus coming back. And then there is a new time period, the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is listed at the end of the book of Revelation. And the rabbis even spoke of these two ages, the present age we're now living in, and also the messianic age where the Messiah comes and he rules and reigns. And that's, of course, when we will be here as well. Well, what will be the sign that the last days of this age have begun and that will lead to the messianic age? Now, he lists these things that are in here. And he said, Jesus answered, verse 4, Watch out, no one deceives you. And I talked about the false prophets. There are going to be false teachers who come along, 
and they're going to want to make sport of the people, the Christians in the body. They're going to want to take their money. They're going to be uh, sinful acts committed against them. And he also tells us in verse 5, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. And so even today, there are many who are deceived. And some of the teachers that are out there, you know, the, the doctrines that I have experienced over my time of being a pastor and being a Christian. I was teaching the youth this last week, and, and I don't know how we got on this particular subject. We were dealing with can you be a believer and also be a Christian. We did that in the men, and we covered some other stuff in the youth. But it got down to I, I wanted them to be aware of the doctrines which are out there. And I told them about a few things. And I mentioned one thing to them, and they were going like, what's that? And the thing I mentioned to them was Y2K. Now, we know what Y2K is. I talked to them. They go, what? Y2K? What is Y2K? And that was 19 years ago. And no one in the room was 19 years old. And they had no idea what I was talking about. I said, you guys, oh, well, let me tell you about this. The world was going in. We actually had people leave the church and move to Idaho because the world was just going to tumble in on itself. Nuclear bombs were going to go off. Planes were going to fall out of the sky. The the electric grid was going to go down because of all these chips that were set for a date and they didn't go beyond the year 2000 when these chips were made and because of that all these things are going to malfunction and they looked at me and they go what and i said yeah that's what happened and and i said there were people inside the church at that time one guy came up to me right prior to this it was being talked about and told me that we need i needed and the rest of the church needed to get machine gun permits that we needed to move to the mountains and we need to hunker down because people are going to come and want food and they're going to take it and they're going to ransack houses and it's best if we just take the church and move the church and like a compound type thing. And these kids are looking at me like, what? And I said, yeah. And, and I said, imagine that. Everything is just going to go dark. And imagine if the grid won't be able to get back up. I said it would be similar to an EMP, uh, an electric pulse, magnetic pulse that takes down the power grid. And once that happens, everything that's electronic will go down. By the way, if that's the case, solar panels are not going to work. I just want to let you know, uh, if that happens, it's just going to destroy everything electronic and all this investment we've made in our lives and making them nice and serene and all that. If it ever takes place like that, well, it's we're going to have to trust in God even more. But I told the kids all of these things, and they were just befuddled. They couldn't believe it. I said, really, go home, ask your parents, look it up, see what all of this was about. And I said, there has been movements throughout the time of the church where the church has come in and said, you need to be aware of what's going to take place and you need to hunker down and get ready. And I told them also about the four blood moons. If you remember that, that was recent. The four blood moons were going to come out and it's just going to be a bad harbinger for everybody in Israel and everybody in the world and books were being sold and written about it and then there's the book, The Harbinger and all of these nine signs that are taking place and we're, we're going to lose our lives! You know, this kind of thing. And no, just relax. And we know that scripture says, 
relax do not be frightened now the things I'm going to go through here if somebody wasn't aware of the end result they would end up saying something like we're all gonna die this is not good well how are we gonna get out of this but we can be calm because the Lord told us everything that is going to transpire everything that is going to happen he wanted to make us aware of this now one of the things that he also told us is that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So the sign that is listed here in this verse is that there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. Now, I'm going to ask and see if anybody knows in the 20th in our century, 20th and 21st century, do you know how many people have died just because of wars? Anybody want to take a guess? You may be right, you may be wrong. It's just you. How much? Millions, yes, millions. To be exact, 275 million people have died in the 20th and the 21st centuries because of wars. Now, I'm going to go through this list just for the effect. I want you to listen to this. World War I, which lasted from 1914 to 1918, 15 million people died. Russian Civil War, 1917 to 1922, 9 million people. Soviet Union Stalin regime, 1924 to 53, 20 million people. World War II, 1937 to 45, 55 million people. The Chinese War, 1945 to 1949, 2.5 million people. People's Republic of China, Mao Zedong, 1943 to 1975, 40 million people. In Tibet, 1950, and it's continuing over there, 600,000 people. The Congo Free State Battle, 1886 to 1908, 8 million people. Mexico had a war, 1910 to 1920, 1 million people. Turkish Massacre of Armenians, 1915 to 1923, 1.5 million people. In China, there was a war, 1917 to 1928, 800,000 people. Chinese Nationalist Era, 1928 to 1937, 3.1 million people. Korean War, 1950 to 1953, 2.8 million people. North Korea, 1948, and of course they are sequestered by themselves, they are isolated. Still people being killed over there, two, point, or two million people. Rwanda and Burundi, 1959 to 1995, 1.35 million people. Second Indochina War, 1960 to 1975, 3.5 million people. Ethiopia, 1962 to 1992. 400,000 people, Nigeria, 1966 to 1970, 1 million people, Bangladesh, 1971 and going, 1.25 million people, Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge regime, 1975 to 1978, 1.65 million, Mozambique, 1975 to 92, 1 million, Afghanistan, 1979 to 2001, 1.8 1.8 million people. Iran-Iraq War, 1980 to 88, 1 million people. Sudan, 1983 and beyond, 1.9 people, million. 
uh, in the Congo, 1998, and there's still battles going on there, 3.8 million people. The Philippine insurgency, 1899 to 1902, 220,000. Brazil, 1900, there's still battles going on there, 500,000 people. Amazonia, 1900 to 1912, 250,000 people. Portuguese colonies, 1900 to 1925, 325,000 people. French colonies, 1900 to 1940, 200,000 people. Japanese War, 1904 to 1905, 130,000 people. Germany, with an uprising in Africa, 1905 to uh, 1907, 175,000 people. Libya, 1911 to 1931, 125,000 people. Balkan War, 1912 to 1913. 140,000 people, Greco-Turkish War, 1919 to 1922, 250,000 people, Spanish Civil War, 1936 to 39, 365,000 people, Franco regime, 1939, 100,000 people, Abyssinian conquest, 1935 to 41, 400,000 people. The Finnish War, 1939 to 1940, 150,000 people. Greek Civil War, 1943 to 1949, 158,000 people. I still have dozens to go. That's how many people have died. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, know the birth pangs have started. I think... The birth pangs have started. Just by this one alone. This is the first one listed besides the false prophets. And so we see that. I mean, it goes all the way down to Somalia, 1991, and still battling there, 400,000 people. Kurdistan, Uganda, Liberia, Iraq, Lebanon, Cambodian Civil War, East Timor, Angola, Vietnam, post-war communist regime. All of these lost hundreds of thousands of people. Now, with that, wars and rumors of wars, Jesus was giving insight for us to be aware of the times in which we live. He told us false messiahs and the existence of localized wars. And all of these wars, except for two of them that I talked about, were localized. Then he goes on in verse 7 and says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Of course, I've explained this in in the past, but that's a Hebrew idiom for world war or worldwide conflict, that there's no borders for the war, that it just involves everybody. And of course, we know World War I, World War II, they are global conflicts that are in our past. And you see stuff like this and you wonder, well, wow, is it going to continue to get worse or is it going to be better? And the second half of verse 7, it says, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And I will digress in a bit and talk a little bit about the violence that we have now. But these are other signs that exist out there that we're supposed to be aware of. So in verse 7, I'll read it again, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, famines in the 20th century, I looked it up. There was what's called an IDS working paper written by Stephen Devereaux. He wrote that more than 75 million people died in famines during the 20th century, over 30 major famines. Now, I added that number to the 200 million that have died in the wars, and that's where I get the 275 million people 
that have succumbed to both famine and wars. I mean, that's an incredible amount of people. That would be most of the United States. We probably have 330 million people in the United States. Imagine most of it being gone. And then there's this idea of earthquakes. Now, Daryl has a website. If you'd bring up that website, Daryl. On this website, this you can go there, and this is in real time. If there is an earthquake, you can see it. On the left-hand side on this website is the scale, the Richter scale, of how big these earthquakes are. Now, the bigger the circle, the more intense the earthquake. I've gone to this site before uh, when we had the earthquake down by El Centro. I just looked it up, and it's right there, and it gives the time, it gives the depth, it gives the location, it gives everything. And so earthquakes, there will be earthquakes. And he doesn't say they'll be increasing in frequency and intensity. He says there's going to be earthquakes in various places. And so you can see all the earthquakes there in real time. Now, some of these earthquakes, like I'm going to list a few of them here. In Chile in 1960, there was an earthquake, 9.5 on the Richter scale, 5,700 people were killed. In Alaska, 1964, 9.2 people, or excuse me, 9.2 on the Richter scale and 123 deaths. I remember this one. Even though I was young, it hit here in San Diego. It was so massive up there, it could be felt down here. I can remember running out of the house and looking at telephone poles. You know, we used to have these telephone poles in certain neighborhoods, and you would have the power lines above the telephone lines. And we, we ran, everybody ran out of the house in the whole neighborhood. In my, in the street I lived on, it kind of curved like this. Everybody at once came out of their houses. And we looked, and we're just going like this. We're kind of shaking around, and the telephone poles are doing this thing, just going back and forth. And we're going, whoa! I can remember. It was such an impactful time. I remember that taking place. Then there was Japan, 2011, 9.1 on the Richter scale, 18,500 people died. In Chiapas, Mexico, there was an 8.2 degree on the Richter scale, 98 people died September 7th, 2017. Indonesia, 2004, 9.1 on the Richter scale, killed 220,000 people. In Russia in 1952, there was a 9.0, killed 2,300 people. In Chile in 2010, 8.8 on the Richter scale, 450 people. In China in 1976, 242,000 people died. That was 7.4 on the Richter scale. In China in 1920, 235,000 people were reported killed with an 8.3 on the Richter scale. In Haiti in 2010, 200,000 people were killed in that earthquake, and it was a 7.0. So again, 270 million people, if you add all this stuff up, those are how many people have died because of the wars, the famines, the earthquakes that are taking place. And so that's a conglomerate, that number that's there. Now, earthquakes. Let me say a little bit more about the earthquakes. We don't want to be too quick to follow those who would say that earthquakes are increasing in severity and frequency. And I've heard this. I, I even used to teach it because I listened to these other teachers that they would say, oh, they're just getting worse and people are dying and the numbers are increasing. And no, if, if you go to the different websites that monitor this stuff, 
I'm just going to read you what they say. The first website is the British Geological Survey. And it asks the question, is earthquake activity increasing? It says, recent devastating earthquakes in Haiti, Chile, and China, as well as magnitude 7 plus earthquakes in Indonesia and California, might give the impression that earthquake activity is increasing. In fact, a quick look at the earthquake statistics over the last 20 years shows that this is not the case. On average, there are about 15 earthquakes every year on the magnitude 7 or greater. As with a quasi-random phenomenon, the number of earthquakes each year varies slightly from this average. But in general, there is no dramatic variations. So far this year, we have seen six magnitude 7 plus earthquakes in keeping with the annual rate. That is the British Geological Survey. You can go to the USGS website, United States Geological Service, and they have this. According to the long-term record since about 1900, we expect about 16 major earthquakes in any given year, which includes 15 earthquakes of the magnitude 7 range and one earthquake magnitude 8 or greater. In the past 44 years, from 1973 through 2017, our records show that we have exceeded the long-term average number of major earthquakes only 11 times, and it lists the years. It says the year with the largest total was 2010, with 24 earthquakes greater or equal to the magnitude 7.0. So those people who would say the earthquakes are getting worse and we're just going to die because of earthquakes, if nothing else, and they talk, did you get the new app this last week? I know Daryl did. That is going to give you, what is it, an eight-second warning? Maybe? It dep- the farther away, the more seconds you have before your phone goes off and says, run, you know, and, and get underneath some type of doorway or something like that to protect yourself. And so they're trying to predict these earthquakes. And by the way, everybody, I remember growing up and there was one prediction, and I can remember this clearly too, that the earth, that California was going to fall into the sea at three o'clock one particular afternoon. My mom was going to go to the store and she goes, okay, I'll wait till three o'clock. And we sat there and we watched the clock to make sure that the earth wasn't going to end, at least in California, because the San Andreas Fault, somebody predicted it was going to erupt. It was going to shake. And the one thing about the San Andreas Fault is it slides like this back and forth. Those really, although they can be damaging, they're not the ones that are really potentially damaging, death-inducing. It's the subduction type of earthquakes where the tectonic plates go under. And what happens is they, they kind of kink up like this, and then all of a sudden they release, and they go, oh, and it drops is what happens, and that's where the tsunamis take place. That's If it drops two feet and it takes place over several miles, you know how much water is being moved when it, the seafloor drops two feet? It incredible amount of water, and that travels hundreds of miles an hour all the way across the ocean, and that's what causes tsunamis. Or if it's out in the ocean a little bit, it can go back towards East Asia, something like that. And there are different plates around the world. When you saw the earthquakes there, those are the tectonic plates. Those are the lines that are there. Now, I'm, I'm going into a little bit of the science stuff because Jesus said earthquakes are going to take place. So what do we know about earthquakes? Well, I just told you what we know about earthquakes. They're not increasing. He just says they're going to be there. And so when you see the false teachers... When you see the wars, when you see the earthquakes, the birth pangs have begun. So we have. Well, is there anything else? At this point, I want to give you a parenthetical thought. I'm 
describing everything that's going on, but I want to stop a minute. I told you that 270, 275 million people have already died because of the wars, the famines, the, the earthquakes, the things that have taken place on our earth. It's probably more than that, but those are the records that are officially being kept. There are people that die all the time because of these things, and we are unaware. Nobody counts them. And so it's easy to be over 300 million people that have died from the effects of these three things that I've told you. Now, I would like you to turn over to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. The number of people that died at 300 million, if it's that much, pales in comparison to what the tribulation is going to deliver. Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. It says, When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, if you can do the math, 25, say you just start with 100% of the earth's population. 25% is going away. That leaves 75%, right? I can do the math in my head. It's all good. It's right there. And so 25% of the people, you know, if we had... 8 billion, oh, say, just say 10 billion people for, you know, easy numbers. 25% of that, it's about 2.5 billion are going to go away. 2.5 billion. Can you imagine? So in, when 25% of the population goes away, if it's about 8 billion, there's at least, it's over a billion people are going to die based on Revelation chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And that's not the only time. Turn over to Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. It's Revelation chapter 9, verse 13 through verse 19. It says, The angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. He said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, the horses, by the way, that's just innumerable. They didn't have numbers that went higher than that, so they just repeat the 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, the horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. And by the way, some people tried to say, these are helicopters. No, they're not helicopters. The Lord's telling us a vision of these angels that are released and this problem is going to come here, the mounted troops. And this is a spiritual event that has taken place and it's not helicopters, okay? The heads of the horses resemble heads of lions. Now these are similitudes or metaphors that are being used here. It says the horses resembled heads of lions. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but 
it's going to be fierce or ferocious. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. So you have, you're down to 75% of the population is existing. Another 33 and a third percent is going to go after that. When you start adding up other things, like in Matthew chapter 24, I'd like you to turn back there. Matthew chapter 24. And beginning in verse 38, it says, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, this is the second coming. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. It says two will be in the field. One will be taken one left. Two women will be grinding hand at the, uh, with a hand at the mill. One will be taken another left. How many are taken in judgment? 50% at the second coming. And so some people vary on the interpretations of how many people are going to die. But if you just took it on the face value, first it's 75% are left because 25% are killed. Another 33 and a third percent are taken. And what is left? 50% are taken in judgment. How many people are going to die? Billions. Some people say up to two-thirds. It, it varies between one-half of the Earth's population and two-thirds are going to die or be taken in judgment. And in Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, I'll just read it to you. It says, And the whole land declares the Lord two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. And some people say, well, no, that's just the Jews. Well, it could be the whole land. It could be the entire earth. We don't know, but that's where some people get the number two-thirds of the earth could perish. And by the way, with violence, as I told you, I'd be going back to there is violence right now throughout the world. I don't know if you just, I, I just read this last night. Protests around the world, Chile, Hong Kong, Lebanon, and Barcelona. The riots in Hong Kong, they think maybe a million people came out. They don't know how many people came out. The, the streets were just solid with people. That's because China's coming in and they're just trying to take over everything and get rid of the freedom. And they're saying, we want to be like the United States. And they erected a Statue of Liberty up on a little hill, a mountaintop there. And they are uh, waving American flags and they are taunting uh, the leader of China. They're wearing the Winnie the Pooh mask because he looks like Winnie the Pooh it's just kind of in your face I mean it's just they're going to end up getting killed I don't know if you guys ever heard the story of Tiananmen Square I'll just give you and remember Tiananmen Square that one guy standing and stopping the tanks China never saw that we saw that you know what they did with the rest of the protesters they got some of their own thugs that were their age and they said, this way, we got to get out of here because they're coming and they're going to come shoot them and take them. Well, these guys, these thugs led them down a street and it kind of curved around and they were waiting with machine guns at the end and they killed them all. That's what they did in Tiananmen Square. That's what happened to the students and the uprising. And you never found out anything about them. It wasn't really published worldwide. It wouldn't be politically correct. You know, China, after all, we don't want to upset them and, you know, pull basketball or anything like that from China that could be a real problem and Apple of course you know we don't want to make too many waves because money is at stake does the scripture not say that the love of money is the root of all evil 
And that's what's happening. So this violence is out there. Of course, China, as I just said, the takeover of Hong Kong, Chile, you know what they're writing over? The, the Metro Pass price went up. And so there's hundreds of thousands of people just rioting over there. Lebanon, the government has to go. And Barcelona, the Catalonian separatists, they want to get their own thing going. And, and it's just violent everywhere, let alone in this country. Antifa and the, the stage protests, which are out there. Yeah, and today, more than 150 years after the American Civil War, we are again divided by geography, party, ideology, economics, and race. It is worse now than it, it has ever been. And it's just going to increase. And of course, Matthew twenty four thirty seven says, As in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And if you look back at the days of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence. The violence is increasing. Jesus told us this would be the case. Now, is that all there is? No, there's more. Luke chapter 21, verse 11. This is the same passage, but written by another gospel author. He says, he reiterates, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. So he adds to the list, pestilence, plagues. Madagascar in 2014, the plague broke out, bubonic plague. And of course, it was isolated, 119 people confirmed dead or excuse me, 40 deaths, 119 cases confirmed. And also 124 confirmed cases of typhus in Los Angeles County. And the bubonic plague, the same one that wiped out over a third of Europe over 600 years ago, could be present today in L.A., according to the New York Post. It could already be there. And hepatitis A, tuberculosis, and staff in L.A. and other West Coast cities, you know why that's there? Because of the homeless population. Because the rats are coming into the trash. They're carrying bubonic plague fleas that are there. Those fleas are getting on the people. They're also bringing in the tuberculosis, the typhus, the hepatitis A. I've been inoculated before for hepatitis A because of going to Africa. But, you know, these are just spot ones. Pretty soon, and they're saying the flu epidemic is going to be even worse this year. Now, some people might say... Well, that's a bunch of hellfire and damnation, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But there's good news. But let me finish the bad news. Uh, Fearful events. Now, if you look up the definition of this, these are terrors. Terrors will take place. Now, what would be a terror? And I sat and I started thinking, well, what did God mean by a terror? Something that would be frightening to us that would take place. For instance, there are the other website. Here's one terror that could take place. Now, if you look at this map, notice the United States. It's clean. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. You see the red triangles? Those are all active volcanoes right now blowing their tops. That's what's going on. The yellow ones, they're activity that's taken place. There's rumblings. It, it could go off any minute. We don't know. Those are active volcanoes. That's how many volcanoes are going off in the world. You know, there's a big one in the United States, the size of Wyoming. And they're saying, it's growing. Now, they've been saying this for 25 years, I know. But I'm just wondering, will that one go during the tribulation? Will that one proceed where there's going to be a terror? If that took out most of the United States, 
it would for sure be a frightening event, a terror for the rest of the world. And there are other places like this around the world. It would cause tsunamis. It could be real problems. There's one place off the coast of Africa. It's on the Horn of Africa, you know, that part that sticks out towards Saudi Arabia. It's splitting off from the continent. And they say that some of that could just slide. And if that slides, half the world, they said, basically could go because of that. And then it says there's going to be great signs, indications, something unusual in the sky or in space around the earth. Well, what could that be? And he said it in Luke chapter 21, verse 11, there's going to be signs in the heavens. What could those signs be that we would see that would cause us to go, This is a sign. I could tell you right off the bat, and I got this in my astronomy class from Mr. Olson, who taught the class. He said there could be a supernova. Betelgeuse and the constellation Orion, look it up. It's a super red giant, and it's ready to supernova. It could already have supernova, but the light hasn't got to us yet. If you see a supernova, and he said, by the way, at that time when I was in college, he said that that, if it goes off and you see it here, it'll be eight times brighter than the sun during the day. That would be a sign, definitely a sign. Now, there's other people out there saying, well, you know, we got a big planet out there somewhere beyond the Coupier belt, and it's affecting the gravitational pull of everything in our solar system, and we haven't detected it yet, but it's probably the size of Neptune that is out there. Well, what if that thing has an elliptical orbit and it comes in towards the, the sun again? What if that's true? And they know something's out there doing it. But they don't know what it is. Well, what if that's just kind of making its way back in and it's traveling at a tremendous rate of speed? That would be a sign in the heaven. Definitely a sign in the heaven. And so all these things are going to take place, let alone meteors, meteorites. They're just so afraid that one's going to hit the earth. And one is going to hit the earth, maybe a couple, during the tribulation period. And they're going to do some big damage. What about a solar flare? A solar flare can be like an EMP. It can take out our power grid. It can take out everything. I would say that would probably be the most common thing if that took place and you see the entire grid, the electric grid and electronic things get destroyed, your computers, your phones, the cell towers, all of that. It could end up going just because of a solar flare. Now, I got two minutes. These are the beginning of pain. It's just the beginning. So we are in the beginning. And Jesus goes on to say, but the end is not yet. So we know pretty much exactly where we are. We're waiting for the plagues, the signs in the heavens, and the frightening events, the terrors to take place. Now, if we start seeing those, it's even closer. Now, wouldn't it be great if you walked outside today and saw a supernova in the sky? I mean, you'd go, whoa. This is kind of like the Lord told us about this. Not Pastor Bill, he's nothing. The Lord told us about this is going to take place. In the meantime, he also said, do not worry. Luke chapter 21, verses 9 through 11 says, when you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. And so when these things are taking place, somebody (coughs) talked to me the other day, I was at a a supply house, and he started talking to me about the chip. He goes, do you know they want to put chips in kids? I said, really? Sounds like the mark of the beast to me. And he goes, 
Yeah, dude. And we started talking back and forth, you know, about that. Whenever you have the opportunity, tell somebody about this stuff. Now, obviously, I think this guy is a believer. We didn't have a, a lot of time to talk. But these things are coming to fruition, and we're living in the midst of it. How far off? Well, I don't know exactly the number of days, weeks, or years that we're waiting for. But we are in the beginning. The birth pangs have started. My daughter, she's going to give birth to a child here in just a few days. And she's having the Braxton Hicks. You ladies know what those are? And she's having those. She is starting the birth pangs. Okay, I can get through this one. And that's how we have to do it. As believers, we go... Okay, I know what I'm expecting. I know what's ahead. I know that I don't need to be frightened. And before these things go on too much longer, we're out of here. That's the good news. My encouragement to you is don't be frightened. Don't be worried. But tell everyone you possibly can about what is going to take place. Most of them will say, you're crazy. And you can say, I am. I'm crazy for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing that we might retain this information and do our own study and have it under our belts, in our minds, that we can share it with others. Father, we don't want any more people to die. And neither are you willing that any should perish. But you want them to be saved, to come to the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, Father, help them when we talk with them. Give us the words. Help us to study so we'll have the information. And, Lord willing, with the help of your Spirit, we will do this. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen.